Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Our next guest have over 25 years of creative experience. He has mastered the art of making wine, composing inspirational poems, writing books, directing movies, producing commercials, and performing also known as AKA Jay the Dreamer. Welcome Jay White. Thank you. And <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Dr. Francis, I've heard so much about you. Oh. And I'm, I'm so glad to be here. I'm grateful and humble. Yes, I. you know what? Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you want them to know about you, Jay White and your business? Oh, wow. Um, well, primarily, I want the, the listeners to know that I am only on assignment. Uh, I am I'm extremely gifted uh, to do what I do, which is to empower people. I'm very fortunate to be able to uh, complete the things that come to my heart that I believe God gives me. Uh, I call them downloads. I get the downloads and I run it. And it's all, it's never, ever just for me. It's always for community and to help somebody else find their purpose. So that's the work that I do um, each and every day. If it's publishing books, if it's creating wine, if it's uh, pedicabs, if it's uh, speaking or tap dancing or showing other people how to tap dance, it's, it's always um, tied to purpose, thankfully. And it's always to help inspire somebody else to live their highest and best destiny. And I think that's why we're all here. I love the tap dance. Tell me, how did you get into tap dance? I absolutely love to dance, period. But I tap danced for a um, a pageant way back in the day. So I'm going to start off with something fun. How did you get into tap dancing and why? Well, I got into tap dancing. I was inspired by uh, some kids who were street performing in Los Angeles. Uh, they go by the name of Sean and John, and I saw them as as kids, I mean teenagers, um, and I was just intrigued because I had seen it on television, but I had never seen it live and in person. So I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, interact with them. Uh, we exchanged information, and then some years later, I would start to follow them uh, via the advancements of technology and started studying them on YouTube, and from there, I just worked at it, and from there, I got better. Each and every day, I would commit three or four hours to it, and then uh, that that turned into a talent, and that talent uh, has literally taken me all over the world. So that's how I got started, and I continue to do it to this day. You're known as Jay the Dreamer. How mm -hmm. did you get that name? Oh, wow. Um, I forgot who gave me that name, um, but it was on the heels of always doing something. And every time people spoke to me, I was always into the next thing. And I believe that one thing begets another. When you talk about gifts and talents, uh, and I'll talk scripturally for a minute, uh, where it talks about your gifts will make room for you, but you have to stir those gifts. And it's kind of like a pot. You never know what gift is gonna come to the top. You just be, be ready for whatever, you know, you gotta be ready for whatever, wherever God places you. And um, that's just been my story. So I don't know who gave you that name, but it just stuck. And uh, I've been running with it for, for probably 15 years now, if not longer. So what is your latest venture? Uh, my latest venture is uh, Pedicabs ATL. Actually, that's not true. My latest venture is uh, my latest book uh, entitled No More Bodies. And No More Bodies is... A, a book um, centered around being intentional in the African-American community about building our, just building our communities, being intentional. Yeah, just being intentional. Who are you building with? Why are you building with? Who are you connecting with? What is the reason for uh, your interaction or why spirit brought you together? And that's pretty much uh, what it's about. So that's the latest endeavor. And from that, I've uh, been fortunate enough to uh, do talks for audiences and help couples and help people who aspire to be couples and 
that's the latest venture. And talk about the pedicabs in um, ATL. Oh, pedicabs. So uh, for those who don't know what a pedicab is, it is, if you think of a horse and buggy, it's a, it's, it's synonymous with that, but it's a bike. So it's a bike that carries passengers on the back. Um, overseas, it might, you might've heard the, the term rickshaw or tuk-tuk. Uh, that's exactly what it is. So the bike, uh, I started that in 2016, 2017 as a way to um, deliver food, hire more young black men in the neighborhood uh, to uh, work at a restaurant that I was fortunate enough to create and start. And the bikes were a, a way to make food deliveries, but more importantly, give people opportunities to provide for themselves and their families. So from there, it I started with three, and today I have 30 of those. So those pedicabs uh, started out uh, with very humble beginnings, and now we're, you know, we're creating opportunities for people to find themselves and still be free. And then a part of that initiative was to appeal to African-American males who had been incarcerated who might not get a fair shake or because their, their background may have a stain on it that employers, you know, won't necessarily employ them because, you know, they have some type, something on their background record. So the bikes gave them a, still a sense of freedom, a sense of being able to still interact with the community and just, you know, be people and not be cast away or thrown away. So that's what Petty Cabs ATL is in a nutshell. It's just a resource like everything else. It's a resource to get things done. It's a resource to employ people, but most importantly, it's a resources for people to find themselves uh, in their highest and best destiny, whatever God put them here for. Jay, let's, let's step back for a moment and talk about that first story for the first business you started and how did you raise capital? Oh gosh. Um, so here in Atlanta, um, I was a part of a partnership uh, that kind of, it didn't kind of go south, it went south because I had a, I was in a not so good partnership, I'll put it that way. And I pretty much, uh, everything was taken from me. And I mean that literally. So for me, I use uh, my line of credit. I had a small uh, line of credit at my credit union and that was it. I took my last, I think $6,000 and um, just started grinding and I went, went, went to work. And what was that business you started? A 640 West Community Cafe, situated in the West End. It's about 3,000 square feet of space. And it's kind of like a, it's like a coffee shop on steroids, <laughs> but it, it has a, you know, a stage and plenty of space for people to be creative and think and let their hair down so that they can uh, relax for a minute and just recalibrate. But most importantly, build relationships with other people who are looking to do the same thing, be innovative, be creative, in a very safe space. So, yep, 640 West Community Cafe. Now, is the cafe still going? The cafe is still uh, uh, going very well. And I actually was able to sell it to a local business who was, um, who I can consider to be a mentor to me in the food business. Uh, her name is Tassili who has a, a, she's a vegan, she has a raw vegan restaurant. And I consider myself to be a planter, a plant, uh, using the, um, the, the, the principles of sowing and reaping and farming and agriculture. So I'm a planter and, and she's what I call a gardener. So she comes from a food background and has more, uh, she's very, a lot more savvy in food than I am. So I approached her with the opportunity to buy the business because it was just too much for me because I was doing a full a restaurant. I was still worked a part-time job. I was a full-time student. And then I had pedicabs ATL, which is another brick and mortar. Uh, so I was doing all of that at the same time. And I had just too many balls in the air. So it was good to be able to let that go, but pass it to a gardener who had just taken it. And, and now it has you know, gone to another level. So, it's a good move. Jay, fill in the blank. Thank you, pandemic, because. 
Thank you, pandemic, because it made you made us or it made us all recalibrate and re refocus our priorities. And for me, that is that is everything. Reevaluate and reestablish our value system. We had to uh, get back connected to self without all of the distractions. We had to get back connected with our families. And then that creativity that we were meant to birth in the first place, some people dusted that off the shelf and started to uh, become entrepreneurs. And just from a creative space, again, without the distractions, able to really make calculated moves. So thank you, Pandemic, for birthing so many um, new opportunities for everybody. Jay, I want you to have a monologue and I want you to name this person, living or not, and this person has inspired you so much. Who is this person and what are you saying to this person? I am saying thank you so much to Harriet Tubman for being just over five feet tall but having a spirit of a giant who lived fearless and was most certainly called um, according to God's purpose. And thank you for that example of not only defying the odds, but marching through the darkness of forests and swamps and places that, you know, some people today will see a bug and be scared out of their mind, but I couldn't imagine um, having to go through unfamiliar places at pitch black, guided by spirit, you know, so just thank you for your courageousness and, and leading the way. Got more nerve in your toe than most people have in their body. So I thank you. <laughs> there are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Talk about a brand or a business that's dominating that you admire and why. Mm, a brand or business that is dominating that I admire and why. Um. I admire uh, Pinky from, uh, she has a vegan restaurant um, because she has taken so many um, young people and gave them opportunities as well. Um, I love and appreciate uh, what Mr. Perry has done in the film world, defying odds, um, again, giving more opportunities to people of color and, and knocking down barriers that were set um, and just, you know, breaking breaking the, the, the norm or the traditions of what we've seen in Hollywood and giving people opportunities to work and feed their families and do what they love and are called to do. So those are two, one male, one female. <laughs> so Jay, what are you doing personally to impact people's lives every day? Um, I, every day I literally sit with people and coach them into finding themselves and their purpose. That is what I'm, I'm here to do, uh, as a recent graduate of a seminary. Uh, and I have to say it is the ITC, the Interdenominational Theological Center, uh, right here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, who helped me to make more of an understanding of why I'm here and some of the constructs that were put in place to keep us kind of imbalanced. So for me, I get a chance to talk about the imbalance. Um, sometimes it's one-on-one, sometimes I deal with couples. Sometimes I deal with groups like tonight at um, the Black Man Lab, which it is not my construct, but it is definitely one worth noting, headed by uh, Molly Davis from the Davis Bozeman Law Firm. So I have to give them a shout out. So being present, in what's called the Black Man Lab, where it's a room, maybe 50 to 100 uh, every Monday. And we just come and talk about our issues, not necessarily our issues, but what's going on in the world and anything that we want to put on the table. So that's how uh, I impact people. I'm present for what other people in the community are doing that is moving us forward as a people. And then individually, I start my day off like that. Uh, starts with a prayer of a group of us. Uh, we get on the uh, Zoom at 5 a.m., then we pray, and then we go about our day, and then 
wherever spirit leads me, uh, that's where I am. I'm always where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. That's just on the personal side. On the business side, I'm here lately um, helping people to establish businesses, um, helping people to obtain business license so that they can apply for some of the resources that have been made available. So that's what I do. Some of what I do anyway. So on the establishing businesses and, and obtaining the business license, is that only in Atlanta or is that nationwide? That is actually um, in Atlanta and Los Angeles. Uh, those are the two places where I really have a strong footprint, especially when you talk about government. Um, but most notably here in Atlanta, because we have um, a, a grant that the city is allocating for uh, economic hardship as a result of COVID. So I'm helping those who have businesses, but may not have, may have missed one minor step that could, you know, change the trajectory of what it is that they're, they're putting out via product or service into the community. So hope that answers your question. So your business is at Bicoastal? Yes. Okay. So you have offices both in um, LA and, um, Atlanta, yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely have to connect offline, especially about Los Angeles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are so many risks um, to become an entrepreneur. Talk about your worst moment in business and what was your takeaway? I think my worst moment in business was um, alluding to the point that I spoke about earlier. Um, a business was literally taken from me um, because I entrusted too much. And sometimes you, which was emotional. And sometimes you have to leave the emotion out of it and just deal in the black and white. Um, so that's what, that was the most impactful for me because it was, it was a surprise. And then I, so I didn't have necessarily have a backup plan because I wasn't expecting it. So, um, yeah, that, 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 that helped me. It was a gift and it was a, I don't like to say curse. It was a gift and it was a, a coaching moment. <laughs> it was such a coaching moment because again, it, it made me uh, go back to the drawing board to figure out where I didn't cover my bases. Um, and it just taught me more about people. So as I continue to coach, I get a chance to uh, talk about that type of sickness uh, with other entrepreneurs and people who are emerging and aspiring to do their own thing in life. Just some of the things you can expect because sometimes being in a, a society by, by my uh, lens or landscape that is um, littered with people who have, we are, we all, I think we all being in this European construct here or Western construct uh, have a degree of, of, of illness or sickness um, because it's coming from a one-sided vantage point versus uh, holistic. So I get a chance to help people to prepare for some of that and, and avoid some of the things that I went through. So it was, it was divine um, to me because I caught the, uh, I caught the lesson in it and it helped to prepare me for a bigger stage. So talk about going to seminary school. When someone looks at, your um your path and being the serial entrepreneur how did it come about seminary school you said when somebody looks at seminary no 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 what i was saying is talk about your journey to seminary school when someone looks at your background and they look at you being a serial entrepreneur how did that path lead you to seminary school? Oh, wow. Um, that's a great question. I think as a serial entrepreneur, I, I never wanted to be, um, I've, I think ministry has always been in me. It was put in me um, and not by my parents. Like it was just something that I was called to do um, and has been since I can remember. I think I was about seven and I used to get up and I would go and catch the bus to church by myself, um, probably about 20 miles away. Crazy. Um, 
So that seed was in me, but the more I grew, I mean, I've always been an entrepreneur. I grew up as a barber. So I've really only known freedom um, to work whenever I want to work and service the people that I want to service and, you know, be in a shop when I want to be in a shop. So I've always been an entrepreneur. Now, what I didn't know was that I was being prepared not only to listen by being a barber, but also being, um, I, I got a chance to see people who were struggling and I'm, and I'm toggling back and forth between barbering and being inside of the walls of a church. And I, I would hear, because a barbershop has always been a haven for black men. So I could hear some of the nuances that kept people from going and wanting to know more about God. And the biggest complaint was the preacher was always living better, <laughs> better than the other people uh, in the community. And, and being an entrepreneur, I never want, felt like wanted to to this day. Um, I don't consider myself a pastor. But I also know that being on stages and speaking to people, I never wanted to be a person that would, that had to live off of an offering or people paying my paying my bills. I'm like that just never made sense to me with me being an able body. So I said, well, um, I'll create businesses that will feed me and my family, so I don't have to depend on people that way. They'll know that what I'm delivering, I have no motive. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm not trying to um, you know, get you to pay my way or me live off of you. No, I just want you to know the God that I know in a way that you could educate me because I don't have a monopoly on God, but I think that, uh, and I hope I'm not deviating too far from your question, but entrepreneurship just opened up uh, another vehicle for me to go in and minister because I didn't come from an angle of this is how I'm gonna get rich or this is how I want to, to earn money. Entrepreneurship has always been my vehicle. Uh, ministry has always been my vehicle, but now being able to marry and merge the two, uh, it's a win-win for me because the people that I speak to, they know I'm not coming from a place of trying to get anything from them because I don't need anything. So tell us what you are most grateful for right now in your life. Oh my God, people who love me and people that I love. Let's talk about becoming Jay White. How did mm -hmm. you become Jay White? Um, well, I think I'm still becoming. Um, the more I learn, the, the longer I live, thankfully, the more I learn about uh, grace um, patience, mercy, what life is really about. Um, me becoming who I am, it's just, it's been centered around what's real and what's not real. You know, the truth needs no defense. There were, there were things that were put here. For instance, there were, there were, there's food that was put here, right? If, um, uh, you, are dehydrated. There's something that you can do about that. You can drink water and, you know, it was a resource that was put here to actually quench your dehydration. If you haven't been regular going to the restroom, there's a food that you can eat that'll make you go to the restroom. So um, me going back to the basics of nature and what that provides and what that looks like without man's hands uh, has helped shape me who I am because I'm coming from a power or I'm tapping into a power in a space that, you know, man tries to manipulate, but at the end of the day, you, we can only take out from what's been given to us. We, we don't create anything out of thin air. We take from what was already here. So I try to tap into those sources and the more I tap into those sources and those resources, uh, it helps me to keep perspective on who I'm becoming, what am I sharing, and I think it's always coming from an authentic place because I'm not the creator. I'm the created, but I understand some of the things that the creator has done. So just tapping into that and sharing that because it's the truth anywhere you are in the world. For me, it is. I've been to every continent. I've been to a lot of countries. And the one thing I've noticed, <laughs> no matter where I'll go or have been, we all need food. We all need water. 
that's just a fundamental principle. And, um, you know, I just try to keep it simple. So that's who I am in a nutshell. I just keep it simple. We want to thank our audience for joining. And if anyone has a question for Jay, just let us know. Jay, what problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? Um, I think one of the major problems for me, uh, actually, is problem of strong work. Well, that's your question. I think one of the problems in the world is that um, Black people in particular, we have not uh, identify our values and establish a value system. I realize that many of us have been, we're descendants of those who were taken from uh, Africa and brought to the Americas and other countries abroad. Um, I think we see what we see globally because as black people, people of color, um, we have not come into knowledge of self and who we are. And as a result, the world is out of balance because we haven't, we're, we're out of balance, so therefore the world is out of balance. But once we come into balance, the world has to line up with that. So I wish we had a place um, to send money to. I wish we had our own language that we could speak fluently. Uh, I wish we had our own culture and value system um, that we, we're birthed with, you know, I wish we had those things. And because we're um, out of balance with that and out of touch with that holistically, we're seeing a lot of the traumas, we're seeing a lot of the, the things take place throughout around the world that once we get into balance, those things can no longer live. It's like in order for some things to begin, some things have to end. And in order for some things to live, some things must die. And once we come into that <laughs> that knowledge and that balance, then the imbalance has to go. It's like light and dark. They can't exist in the same place at the same time. One has to, either the switch is up or is down. You talk a lot about imbalance and balance. And even with the coaching that you're doing, how are you helping people to find that balance? Uh, I think the first step to that for me is to find out like who are you not what your mom told you you were not what your dad or school or your peers told you you were who are you who have you spent time with yourself and with spirit and, and sat in prayer and meditation and letting the divine speak to you and give you knowledge of your identity you know give you a download the same way i was fortunate to catch the download that was given to me and i think um, once that happens, then you don't stop. Um, uh, well, you, you come into a knowing. And once you come into a knowing, it, it's different from a believing. And yeah, once you come into a knowing of who you are, um, I think that that's a, that's a form of balance because you can't keep me off balance because of me being ignorant to who I am. You know, what is your zone of genius? What is my zone of genius? I don't know what that means. Another way would be, what is your superpower or why are you here? What is your purpose? Oh, my gosh, that is the best. Thank you so much for asking me that question. So my zone of genius and my, my superpower is fearlessness. That is certainly my superpower. Like I'm, I'm not afraid of anything, um, and that doesn't mean I'm not wise or I'm going to put myself in. Well, that's relative. Uh, I, I have faith, and I've been given a tremendous abundance of faith, and that has literally, whew, that has shown me places and things, um, and I've met people, which is scriptural based as well. Um, it has just been phenomenal. So my superpower is definitely faith. Um, I see no challenge that can't be conquered. I see no opportunity or no, no, I can see a field of timber and I'm running straight through it. Like I, and I, I know something is on the other side for me or if not in it, like it's something over there that <laughs> a, a, a trail has to be blazed 
and I know I'm here as a pioneer or, or maverick um, to go and make things happen. So that is definitely my superpower. Advice you wish you had followed? Mm. Advice I wish I would have followed. Mm. Well, let me put it this way. Um, I had a situation, a moment in my life where as loud as I'm talking to you, I heard a voice speak clearly to me about something that I should not do. And I, I, I blatantly disobeyed that voice. And when I disobeyed that voice, 30 minutes later, somebody that was close to me was on the floor dead. And now I can look at it two ways as that voice spoke to me. And because I did not hear it, I never would have known why that voice was speaking to me um, had I not experienced what happened 30 minutes later um, because it would have, you know, I don't have a, okay, okay, I heard a voice, but why? I never would have known that situation. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have had a point of reference as to this is why I told you that. So on one side, I'm like, I wish I had listened because I lost somebody dear to me. But on the other side of it, I believe that that voice was preparing me for something much greater. So when you hear my voice this next time, I need for you to really be in tune with that because it'll be more than one life that's at stake. What book would you recommend and why? Um, to who? You decide that. Um, what book would I recommend and why? I love The Alchemist because it's kind of like a story uh, I can really relate to. It's a story of faith and the unknown and, um, and traveling through time to figure out, you know, where God is leading you. It's just a path of unknown. So I would say The Alchemist. Then I would say um, Michelle Alexander, uh, The New Jim Crow. I would say um, Dr. Joy DeGroy, um, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. I would definitely say um, even Dr. Um, Naeem Akbar, Know Thyself. Those are my, yeah, those are repetitious reads for me. Yep, Know Thyself. That would probably be number one, truthfully. Know Thyself by Dr. Naeem Akbar. And then uh, Dr. Joy DeGroy, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. And then Michelle Alexander, The New Jim Crow. Thank you for that. What, what drives you, Jay, to do what you do every day? What drives me to do what I do every day is knowing that um, we have, as a culture, have been lied to uh, repetitiously and continue to be under uh, a construct that does not and has not ever in the history of civilization meant for people of color, people who look just like me to be at our highest and best, for us to maximize our highest and best destiny. I know that um, there has never been a construct here, especially on this soil, that wants me to be at my highest and best. So that's why I do what I do so that other people know that they can be at their highest and best. And it doesn't mean you have to hate or dislike anybody. It just means you have to recognize, well, you don't have to do anything. I like to bring people into recognition of uh, here, here's what's been dealt. Here's the hand. Now you don't have to play this hand. You can, you can play a different hand, but you got to first know that you have the option to say, no, nah, I'm not accepting that. But if you birthed in it and you raised in it, I'll give you a really quick example. Uh, nearby Kroger's um, in the black community. Uh, I was there one night about 11 PM. And not only was I there, but parents were there, single mothers, uh, even single fathers with their children, children maybe three, four years old. And there was no one there in line and, uh, as a uh, service person to help us check out. So 
there was a line literally from the checkout all the way to the end of the aisle. Now, what I said is irrelevant, but what was the most relevant was these children standing in line with their with their uh, guardians. Now, they'll grow up thinking that they're supposed to stand in line, not knowing that if you go to other communities, that's a tolerance that is unacceptable. That That is just unacceptable behavior. But if you grow up in it, then you think that this is the what so. That's a very profound analogy. Talk mm -hmm. about business continuity and what is your highest risk as a business owner? My highest risk as a business owner and business continuity. Um, well, hmm, business continuity, I think, um, well, for me, one thing begets another. I don't think anything is permanent, at least for me. Uh, as a, again, I, it was revealed to me that I'm a planter. So for me, continuity and to keep going uh, for me as a plant, I'm a, I'm a planter. So I'm gonna continue to plant um, so much so that even at almost 50 years old, I still feel like um, nowhere, has, nowhere has been home for me. Nowhere has been settling, even purchasing a home and um, yeah, just nowhere, even where I grew up looking back, like I was never really settled. I was always moving, always on the go. And I just translated that as this is my, my gifting, my purpose. So business continuity is no different. Like next year it could be something else or an expansion, but whatever it is, is gonna benefit someone else. Um, my biggest challenge is that very same thing. Um, sometimes, well, I had to detach understanding that just because you put in uh, a lot of labor and work doesn't mean that it's yours. You might carry the baby and then you may give birth to it, but you have to pass it on to somebody that can take better care of it than yourself. Talk about family and entrepreneurship. Oh, wow. Um, family and entrepreneurship. Um, well, my family, <laughs> by now they understand that, um, okay, he's on to something else. And thankfully it all um, makes sense and uh, is, is not a loss. It all, you know, it's, it brings forth resources that I can continue on to the next thing. So my family is very supportive of me uh, from that space. Like they don't try to talk me out of the next thing or they just, okay, this is Jay, what's next? What is it this week or this month or this year? Uh, so that's, um, that's a blessing. But in terms of um, how I sow my time with my family, I'm very uh, active in my family. Uh, I actually, move my mother in with me so I get a chance to spend quality time with her daily. And my siblings, I see them regularly. And my father, he lives in Florida, but we talk pretty regularly as well. So I have great relationships, man. I'm grateful. So looking forward, what do you hope is the next step in the next five years for you? What do you see? Um, Preferably, it won't take five years, but at the end of this year, I have a major undertaking. I'll be 50 in January of 2023. This next January, I'll be 50. So for me, um, a perfect scenario, which is amazing because I was actually given a vision in 2004, um, almost 20 years ago, and that vision was that I would be the one who will take African-Americans back to Africa. I'll fill up an entire airplane uh, with people who uh, are descendants of Africa, um, who whose family members were taken away to the Ma'afa or experienced the great Ma'afa, and I'll get an opportunity to take them back. So that vision was shared with me, and this year that is going to come to pass in December with a goal in mind of helping people to get back um, associated with their tribe, where they come from, 
as well as uh, begin to do business here in the market if they if they so desire, but primarily to um, take people back home and constantly doing that until the end of my days every year, if not every month. So Jay, in terms of what part of Africa are you guys going to in December? Johannesburg. Uh, well, we have a South Africa, South Africa trip as well as a West Africa trip. So we'll have a plane that's going to touch Johannesburg, Cape Town and Zimbabwe in the South. And then in the West, it'll touch Ghana first, then Senegal, then Nigeria. And then how long is the trip? December 26th through January 7th. And um, if someone is interested, how do they make that happen? Uh, just have them contact me. That's it. And, have and what's the best me. way? What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, jaythedreamer.com, J-A-Y, thedreamer.com. And then on there is all my information, email, phone number, how you get in touch with me. Excellent. Thank you for that. And then when you talked about them finding out their um, ancestors, how are, how are you um, finding out that information? Um, I think I'm going to have some assistance. I'm sure I'm going to have some assistance. That's not necessarily my role. My job is to get them there in a safe space. Um, and I am working with the people on the di at, in the diaspora to make sure that people, it's just a start. It's a, it's a starting ground. I can't dig for everybody. I just have to give you the resources or put you with people who may, know, may have more resources and know more than I do. My job is just to get you there. You're going to be safe. You're going to be, you don't have accommodations. It's up to you to start digging. You may not be from either one of those spaces. But it, I think going there will help you to find, get you a little bit closer to where you are from. And so in reference to, I do know for Nigeria, you need a visa for any of the other um, destinations. Do you need a visa? Uh, you don't in South Africa anywhere. And in Ghana, they waived the visa for, uh, I think from 2019, which they were coining uh, the year of return from 1619 to 2019 represented the 400 years um, prophecy of being enslaved, people being enslaved. So, um, or, or being able to end that and go back for the year of return. So um, they waived the visa, needing a visa in Ghana now, I don't know if they've reinstated it, but it still continues to be the year of return. So they've done um, 19 and the 20, 20 and the 20. Well, we were in the house all of 20 and 21. And then uh, this year opens back up. So I don't know what the requirements will be, but I'm sure if they lifted it uh, for the year of return, I don't think uh, there'll be a, a ban again. And the only reason I ask, because I'm actually scheduled to be in Nigeria um, in December of this year, and I do know that I need a visa and a letter to enter. So I didn't know for the other one. So um, how you guys are going about that? Mm -hmm. Well, and I would even say to you, um, and, and for the listeners, and this, I guess, will kind of give you some type of a glimpse into who I am as a person. I feel like everything, every decision in the world is made by people. It's not by computers or robots <laughs> or phones. Decisions are made by people. And I think um, tapping into the right people, um, you know, <laughs> I believe that those, there can be waivers granted. So I was just say that to you, um, tap into the consulate and tap into uh, the, the sources that make the decisions. That's what okay. I'm going to do. Okay. We will definitely chat about that. Perfect. Let's talk about self-care. Mm -hmm. Jay, it has been stated that self-care is physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. Which one and you're only going to pick one, is speaking to you today and why? 
So you say spiritual, physical, emotional? And mental. And mental. Mm. Mental, for sure. Mental, because there's so much toxicity in the earth right now, guiding your mental space. Um, and, and, I, and I say that for me because my spiritual space is good. Um, my emotional space is good. My mental space is good. But to answer in the spirit of answering your question, continuing to keep my mental space good, especially in lieu of uh, these mass shootings that are happening um, and still so much violence and chaos. Yeah, just always being upbeat, always staying positive, always being um, a light in the midst of so much darkness that can be happening around us. The word is listening. What is that resounding sound or message that your generation is saying that we should be listening to? Oh my God, spirit. Be listening to spirit. What is the divine saying? And it's uh, speaking very clearly um, to me. And that is, Identify yourself, come out from the lies, come out from the constructs that were given to you and re redefine your value system. At first, know thyself. That is, that is what is speaking loudly, know thyself. And when you know thyself, people can't just do anything to you. They can't just say anything to you. They can't just give anything to you. Let's talk about legacy. When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? As a guy who lived fearless and who gave to people, but not just gave um, unselfishly, not just gave because it was the right thing to do, but gave because this is what I'm here to do. Like, this is my purpose. This is this is a guy who who fulfilled his purpose each and every day when I step out and I do what spirit has given me to do or I get the download and I run with it. I want to be known as a guy who was just obedient to that. Be obedient to what you do best, what you call to do. Yep, that's my legacy. Being obedient to what I'm here to do, what I'm called to do. If I'm loved, cool. If I'm not loved, cool. But if you get a chance to know more about the creator that I serve, um, what else is there? If I can help you to find your highest and best self through how I live, what else is there? There's nothing I can give you in exchange for that. Jay, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Jay, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And my answer would be what I'm doing, <laughs> everything. <laughs> I would do everything that comes to my heart. Uh, and that is a question that I ask uh, the people that I come across. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? So that would be the question that I would ask my very self because it helps me to sharpen my sword and make sure that I'm not being a hypocrite um, by asking somebody who may not uh, have, be privy to that that information or even that, that mindset or concept. So it keeps me honest. And I'm just, you know, I'm making sure that I'm doing it every day. And thank you for asking me that. Jay, we've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions that I want you to give me very quick answers. If okay. there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the rapid round of fun? I am. Your favorite color? Yellow. Your favorite holiday? Ooh, um, Mother's Day. Your ideal car? 
Bentley. Your first job. BW3. The last movie you saw. The Equalizer. You relax doing what? Um, riding on the expressway with the windows down. Your favorite singer or rapper? Stevie Wonder. Your favorite dance song? Oh, man. That's a really good one. That's my favorite dance song. Um, Soweto, uh, Afrobeat. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Cereal. <laughs> what kind of cereal? Um, Kashi. <laughs> work out or hit the couch? Definitely work out. Jay White, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way to connect with you and to do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, Dr. Francis, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful for you and to you. And this has been such a thorough interview. I don't think I've ever had an interview this good. I'm so grateful for you. Um, for the audience, I want to thank you all. You can contact me through jaythedreamer.com, J-A-Y, thedreamer.com, or all of my social media handles is at jaythedreamer73. Um, what else did you ask me? Um, just the best way for them to connect with you and to Yes, that's the best way to connect with me. Or you can contact, I have an amazing PR company called Synergy. And I have an even more dynamic manager named Linda Proctor Merritt. So um, I don't know if she wants me to give you her number, but uh, Linda Proctor Merritt, L Proctor, L as in Larry Proctor at Gmail is her information. She knows where I am in the world at all times. So um, if you can't get me, get her. And then Synergy, thank you guys for recommending me to connect with you, Dr. Francis. I'm grateful. And you have an amazing team. They are amazing. Um, thank you. And again, thank you, audience, um, for joining. We so appreciate you. And that is a wrap. Thank you.